<laughs> it's cold today. But I still owed you an episode of The Walk, so here we are outside. It's quarter to five in the afternoon. It is Sunday. And I'm going out for a walk. We still haven't had any snow after last week. But here's hoping that we can get a little bit of, of winter before, well, before it starts warming up again. I can tell that we're actually over the worst in terms of darkness after Christmas, of course. The uh, evenings are getting longer again, and it will also be light earlier in the morning. I'm looking forward to it, because I've had enough of this, uh, these dark times. <clears throat> we're in a, still in a lockdown here in the Netherlands. Actually, we ramped it up even more, so there's now an evening clock which means that after nine in the evening until I think four four thirty in the morning, you are not allowed to be outside unless you have special permission. So as a priest, I could get probably a letter from my bishop that I could show to you know the the policemen if they would uh, ar- try to arrest me. <laughs> um, And, of course, also because I work in the media, which is uh, considered to be an essential profession, I could also get um, a clearance to uh, to walk outside if necessary. But, to be honest, I actually have no intention whatsoever to be outside after nine. In fact, I don't really notice at all that we have an evening clock. I've been uh, at home in the evenings watching some TV, going to bed mostly very early because I still have... Uh, I, I just need to sleep as much as I can to recover. <clears throat> you might be able to tell from my voice that it's a little bit hoarse. Uh, I've had a rough week. I got sick again on Monday and uh, I didn't really know what it was at first. I was nauseous. I had a bit of a fever um, and just an overall, you know, I, I just felt miserable. And then I had a cough as well. And that started to make me a bit nervous. Like, what, what if this is a resurgence of the virus? There are some stories of people getting reinfected. So I got myself tested on Tuesday and uh, got the results almost 12 hours later already. Negative, no COVID. But I was still sick as a dog. And it didn't help that I had to work really hard uh, from Monday to, uh, to Wednesday. Because again, I had to finish part two of my China documentary. <clears throat> And last week, I had a, a day uh, like Monday uh, where I didn't feel good and I couldn't work. This week... I felt ill and I had to work, but I was, I'd rather be in bed. And so it was another uh, exhausting week. <clears throat> and my voice is not completely back yet, but I do feel a lot better. This morning when I woke up, I, I, re- I felt that was, it was gone. At least the, the stomach bug, was, it was probably a stomach bug. Um, 
finally uh, subsided and I can eat solid food again. <laughs> but I still, uh, you know, as usual, when you, get, you, when you get sick, it also takes time to recover. And I know myself, the temptation is to get back into gear immediately because I feel good, okay? So why, why can't I? But it's not wise. So what I'm going to do is keep a really low profile, <laughs> not try to do anything too strenuous. I do have one more episode to edit uh, tomorrow, and then uh, this time I really hope that I can, I can keep it within certain boundaries. I worked another night, a complete night. On, on Wednesday, from Wednesday till Thursday, I, I stopped working. I, I had, I'd finished work at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's the second time in a row. And I'm just I'm very scared that this week is going to be identical. <clears throat> and it's not good. It is really not good. But I'm kind of stuck with this commitment now under under the highway here hence the echo <clears throat> but I'm, I'm so burning the candle at both ends and I'm taking huge risks what I, there are two options the week after this one um, there is no TV show because of sports sometimes there are sports events usually around this time it's uh, skating ice skating uh, we have a number of uh, competitions in the north of the country and apparently they have uh, created a bubble like they've done with uh, football in the United States where they keep all the, the athletes in isolation for, uh, for a couple of weeks so that they can't get infected and uh, then at least they can uh, compete against one another <clears throat> so that is very popular in my country since, well, you know, you know the paintings from the 18th century of the canals in Amsterdam frozen over and people skating everywhere. Even though we hardly get to do that anymore because of global warming, uh, we're still a, a nation of bikers and skaters. Wow, it's cold. I only have one glove. The other one is gone, as I mentioned. I still have to uh, look these. this one. This is the North Face. i got to look them up on the web and order myself a new pair. Although even this, uh, this the, the one that I am actually using right now in my right hand. You know what? I'm just going to hold the microphone in my right hand and put my left hand in my pocket to keep it warm next to my phone. Maybe my phone will be able to heat up my my hand a little bit but even uh, this glove is probably not thick enough I should call Bernie Sanders and ask him <laughs> for a pair of those mittens they look very comfy <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the the TV show skips a week but then it's uh, you know it's full speed on all the way to uh, the end of uh, April and actually since it's been postponed for a week it's going to be uh, beginning of May 
And the, one option is to actually <clears throat> uh, fill another month with, uh, with repeats. I have created a number of episodes that I think lent themselves very well for, uh, you know, uh, 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 another viewing on TV. And since the show has moved from Tuesday to Saturday, part of my audience is completely new. So they probably haven't seen the these episodes. So that's an option. The problem is I won't get paid for those <laughs> because they've already paid for them. Um, and if <clears throat> so, I talked to my uh, my producer, and he said, you know, I could I could fill the month of February with those older episodes. That would be four weeks, I think. Four, maybe three, because. February is, of course, a little bit shorter. But that means... Uh, that's about... Well, if it's four episodes, that's 20,000 euros that I won't get paid. That's quite a bit. <laughs> that's half my salary <laughs> of the year. Um, so I'm a little bit reluctant. On the other hand, of course, as I tell myself time and again... Uh, if you have to pay for something with your health, it is not worth the price. <clears throat> Let's see, where am I going? I'm going to turn to the left here and get into the woods. Although, this may get muddy. We'll see. Uh, the other option is to, uh, well, to just hope that I'll get my energy back right in time and... Uh, maybe I b will be able to outsource some of the of the work. Although I called my one of the editors that I've worked with in the past, and he's so busy with other stuff that he won't be able to edit. And then there's uh, another guy who um, sometimes does editing work for me, uh, but he also works as a nurse. Um, and I think that's almost full time. So I'm not sure if he will have the time. And uh, I know that he will probably... Well, normally he, he can do one uh, TV episode per month. So that still wouldn't solve my problem. Um, so if I decide to still produce the TV episodes myself, I could uh, bring someone along for filming. That would make it easier for me to, uh, to travel on location and I could focus on the interviews. However, I know that if I haven't filmed it myself, I get a lot of material that I can't use. Um, because I'm, while I'm filming, I'm always editing at the same time. Uh, and I know which, what I need. And it's, it, it's difficult to work with someone else's material, especially if that person has a different style of filming. Um, you end up spending a lot of time kind of repairing uh, problems... Uh, wait, I've done this before. If I move straight ahead, and that seems to be a path, I think I'm going to end up in that ditch. <laughs> I think that happened once before here on the walk. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn to the right and then turn, turn to the left. It's already extremely quiet here in the, in the woods. I guess it's because of the temperature can't be because, the, because of the evening clock because that's still a few hours away <clears throat> gosh I'm so hoarse all of a sudden I didn't notice that earlier today 
Anyway, uh, what I could do is walk straight on and then turn to the left. That's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> so, uh, there are some downsides to filming with someone else. Uh, plus, I'd probably have to take my own camera with me and, and film as well, just to get the B-roll. B-roll is the, is the footage that you uh, film uh, that you use over the interview itself. So when you have a guest and that person is telling a story, you don't want to look at a talking head for half an hour. So you need lots of other images, preferably also not just filler images, but footage in which something happens. So it could be people walking or doing something. So all that still will need to be, I don't know, when I think of it, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I could hire someone, but what would be the gain? It's probably going to be the same amount of time and the same amount of work. Hmm. So, uh, an option would be to simplify it even more. Right now, what I'm doing with the China documentary is, uh, is pretty uh, advanced stuff. Um, it's, it's basically editing a traveling show. Uh, this is the kind of work that normally would have a budget of at least twenty to 30,000. Um, and that's just not the case right now. So I think if I do work like that from time to time, then I could also kind of tone it down and, you know, do it, keep it, keep it simple for myself. I, I think that my audience will probably not really care that much. <clears throat> So it doesn't always have to be the same quality level. What matters more is do you have interesting people and interesting stories to tell. So fortunately, I still have a, a few days to think about that. But if, we got, if we're going to do repeats, then I need to take a decision very soon. <clears throat> um, speaking of China, it's been a lot of fun retelling that story. Um, so... Since you haven't seen the documentary itself yet, I uh, traveled with my mom to Beijing, and from there we took a bus to the northeast to uh, a town called uh, Chengde, um, which is where the emperor had his, uh, his summer residence. And there are eight world-famous temples there, Buddhist temples. And so we visited one of them in the mountains. It was very impressive. Wow, you hear those birds? <laughs> They're hungry. Or it's probably, you know, social talk. Um, from there, we uh, traveled westwards to uh, Chongde, which is an, uh, a bigger city close to a missionary post that was founded, uh, I think, 200 years ago started with the Jesuits. Uh, I think the first people that were baptized by a Jesuit, by a French Jesuit, was around 1700. And then at one point, the Lazarists took over. And then after that, a Belgian order took over. And uh, normally the, the government wasn't too keen on people from the outside, from, from uh, other countries visiting that missionary outpost um, and so 
this was a first that we were able to meet the local community there. That uh, Catholic community belongs to the underground church, so it's not officially acknowledged by the state, even though things are changing very slowly in China. Uh, there's a lot of diplomatic back and forth going on between China and the Vatican, trying to uh, establish a, I don't know, a more open relationship, although that's, that's really hard with the current China, Chinese government. Um, but anyway, in order to get there, we, we uh, passed by the, uh, the famous Wall of China, the Great Wall of China, and uh, I filmed myself climbing that wall. It was pretty good. <laughs> I, I remembered it as being this day-long hike. And then I look at the footage and it's just me walking upstairs. Uh, so ultimately, what at least visually I thought was going to be the highlight of the, of, of the edit was just a very simple, like, one and a half minute cut of... <laughs> <laughs> the best shots of the of the Chinese wall. It's uh, it's funny, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, you just sometimes have to hit these story beats, um, and sometimes it's even better to keep it short and to not give away too much. It keeps people on the edge. <laughs> Something I learned from uh, YouTube storytelling is when when you do a shorter video. You have to tease a lot. You have to really promise that oh, we're gonna—it's going to be so amazing. So stay tuned. And then once you finally reach that thing that people have been wanting to see, you have to get out of there as soon as possible. You shouldn't linger on uh, on that because people will um, will 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 stop the video <laughs> when once they've seen what they've seen. You got to end the story. Uh, it's it's it feels counterintuitive because you you're like but, but I've been promising so much and yeah but it's better that people come back for more than uh, that you give them everything and they get bored. Uh, okay, wow, it's getting muddy here. Let me see. Ugh. Oh, gosh, I'm gonna have to take off my shoes when I get back home. <laughs> the house is a mess anyway at least the, the ground floor is a is a mess because I'm not doing anything there until I know what what my immediate future is going to be <laughs> in this location so uh, yeah hopefully we'll get things sorted out soon I'm praying for that St. <laughs> Joseph I think you have to call St. Joseph for housing problems so that's what I do it's a good thing that I live in a uh, parish church dedicated to St. Joseph, or next to a parish church. <laughs> um, the, uh, the actual reconstruction of the China story is interesting, because I back then, I, I, I think I was in the middle of probably what I'm doing right now, just working and filming and whatnot, so I didn't have much time to prepare and read, read up on China. My mom had... She had been looking forward to this trip for years. And so she had already done a lot of research. And so did many of the other members of the group. Some of them were very knowledgeable. So what I did was basically use my, uh, my old podcast, podcasting tricks. 
when I uh, when I started podcasting, I had a daily show, and I had a travel show, which was called the Catholic Insider. Whenever I would go on vacation, I would produce these series where I would take the listener to the places where I was. Actually, I did a series about my visit to China as well. Maybe I can dig that one up and we can make it available to the patrons as a little, you know, giveaway. Uh, I'll ask Inge if she can, uh, if she can look those episodes up. Um, so what I would normally do for these travel shows, not being all too knowledgeable about things, I would just listen to what, for instance, a guide had to say, or I'd take a, like a travel guide with me, read up on something, and then just reproduce it in the story. So it looked as if I knew so much, but it's all, uh, you know, using other people's knowledge. That's what I did in China as well, because I, I'd never gone back to that footage. A um, colleague of mine, or a former colleague, made a TV episode based on uh, mostly the story of my mom and her parents. Uh, they have a common history in China. Um, and then he used a few, well, a, a bit of the footage from the journey. So, I afterwards I never really had an incentive to go back and look at what I'd filmed there. Now I I did have to look at everything that I filmed, and I was surprised to see how many stand-ups I had done. Stand-up is uh, where you point the camera at yourself and you tell people what what's going on there. Unfortunately, I did all the stand-ups in Dutch. It's probably because I was already thinking of, you know, maybe we can turn this into a documentary for Dutch TV. I did not have, back then, the ambition to make international documentaries. However, that is easily solved, of course, with voiceovers. Most of these episodes are narrated by me anyway afterwards. But it's nice from time to time to have to see... To, to address the viewer. It makes it more engaging. So that's what I've done. And then I hear myself just explaining things about Chinese history and symbolism in the art. And I'm thinking, well, how did how did I know that? And it's probably because I just had heard someone telling me exactly the same information. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to film myself. I'm going to just repeat this on camera. So it was so funny to... Uh, to see that because I don't I didn't recall at all that I'd filmed that and it makes for a more engaging um, overall story uh, sometimes it's a little bit too much I can tell that this was eight years ago because I'm still doing I back then I was a presenter I wasn't a program maker um, I I think I barely had experience vlo- with vlogging uh, either so I still, I hear myself talking, and I'm thinking, oh yes, that's how I, that's how I did that back then. I was imitating, basically, presenters that I saw on TV, using the same inflections and everything. It's like the BBC presenters, you know, they all have this same way of talking, and the, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly, it's not exactly my natural way of speaking, but with a bit of clever editing, I think I could uh, work around it, and I don't think the viewer will notice it that much. And what's also interesting is that um, 
back then I, I only, I think, experienced half the story. I didn't know what was truly going on. I saw that we at one point were followed by uh, Chinese security in these black cars that were driving with us. And I knew that um, some of the agents had infiltrated local communities. So we had to be very careful what we would talk about uh, because there were always people um, keeping track of what our group was doing. And it wasn't really dangerous for ourselves, but it, would, it could have repercussions for the people that we talked with, the local Chinese Catholics, and we, we absolutely wanted to avoid that. But afterwards, I, um, I was sent a book, like a travel journal that was written by uh, uh, one of the other people on, in the group. And he had a, of course, he'd, he'd been in different situations than I was and heard more maybe than I w- heard because I was constantly filming. Um, and so in his journal, I read a lot of stuff and I was thinking, wow, I had no idea that they were, they were so um, trying to obstruct our journey. So several times when we were going to visit uh, a missionary outpost, we would hear like an hour before we would arrive. And these we were talking about like five, six hour drives to get somewhere. And then they would just call up the leader of the group and say, well, no, uh, we have actually rethought this. Uh, you are not allowed to visit that parish. And then the negotiations would start. And ultimately, and this happened several times, the end result was that they, they conceded and we could visit, um, probably because they were also worried about uh, kind of the bad rap they would get. However, we were not allowed to speak with the local priest. And so they, uh, the priest was always gone. And the parishioners told us that in at least twice the priest had been basically abducted in a van. He had just disappeared. The Chinese authorities called it. We, uh, we advised the local priest to uh, take a few days of rest. It's a pity that the priest himself was not aware of that and that the prisoners didn't know where they took their priest. I'm just hoping that, that they both returned safely afterwards. But it's so, so crazy when you read the book and then I was writing all my voiceovers and, and it was all of a sudden as if like half the story that I had missed came to life. And I even was able to... Ugh, even more mud. And horse... Uh, well, what horses do. <clears throat> i got to be really careful here. Because mud is one thing, but I don't want to get uh, anything else in my house. Okay. All righty then. So, uh, sometimes it was easier to uh, create a story based on the images that I had because I had that book. And uh, I've, I've, I've not, I don't have a very good memory uh, for you know events and, and and dates, so it was a great help to to have. And th- this was you may, I think he wrote the book like eight, eight years ago, so fresh off, the, fresh after the journey. So that, well, that was extremely helpful. I don't think I could have done it without the book. And then my mom helped with <clears throat> some more details, although I tried to keep it relatively um, relatively simple. 
in terms of, of you know, I don't want to overload the the regular TV viewer with too many uh, details about our trip and you know my family over there. It's, it would be sometimes the story just needs simplicity. <laughs> you need to kind of dumb it down to the basics and let the let the images speak. And uh, well, one more episode to go. It's going to be a longer story. Um, I'm going to pick up where I, where I left. So my mom visited uh, a settlement with houses that were identical to the 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 kind of houses where my grandmother grew up. Extremely small and very very poor, and uh, and that of course triggered a lot of memories. My mom didn't have a very good relationship with her mother. Uh, the edu- education was extremely strict, probably also because of the Chinese background of, of my grandmother. Um, and so I'm going to pick that up, uh, let my mom tell some more details about the stories that she heard from her grandmother. And then I'm going to shift the story to my grandfather and how he ended up in China. And then we go from Chengde, I think, back to... Uh, we go to Hohot. Another huge... I mean, we're talking about cities of millions and millions of people, and I had never heard of them. <laughs> like, there are Chinese cities as big as New York City, and, you know, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, we, in Hohot, from Hohot, we take the plane to Xi'an, uh, which is further in south to the southwest that is where the uh, old silk route started um, it's a very prosperous area and much more touristy it's funny that once we were there n- the government didn't care anymore because there, that was not uh, an area with uh, any you know Catholic missionary posts or anything so we couldn't do much harm and basically we went there to wrap up the journey and it was actually also more touristy um, and still, I wanted to make sure that I... This, this was part of the journey was completely skipped in the first TV show that was made with that material years ago. Because there was actually... It was hard to kind of put it in context. It didn't have much to do with the story of uh, my mother's family. But I think I found a way. Because we once we were there, we visited, of course, these famous excavations of the terracotta armies of the emperor um, and that would there's a whole story about how that came about which has to do with the afterlife and uh, also the legacy and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the story like that so that was the legacy of the, or the emperors were always thinking about their legacy what, what do we leave behind um, and the terracotta army was one way to kind of protect that legacy um, and to show strength even after death. So I think I can connect that with the question of what's the legacy of my grandparents? And in, which, in what way do their lives uh, impact my life? And in, in which ways am I uh, using their legacy for what I do? Something like that. I think I'll... <laughs> it's, <laughs> I have just a hunch that I'm... I'm going to be able to uh, integrate that nicely. So that we'll wrap it up. It's a lot of material for one episode. 
But sometimes that's good because then it's easier to uh, find the shots that I need. Sometimes I had to be really creative with almost no material. There were times that I had no material whatsoever during certain days because I was traveling with that Sony camera that I bought. This was years ago. Um, which I think only had one or two batteries. Very small ones. So I could film about an hour per battery. And the second battery wasn't an official Sony battery, so it would be empty even quicker. And then the only other thing that I had to film or take pictures was my iPhone 4. <laughs> and it's, oh, it's just amazing. If you look back at those photos and the, the video is unusable. It is so grainy and so low quality. But to realize how far these cell phone cameras have come over the years. It's an insane difference. I probably could produce better quality footage with my current phone, the Asus uh, Zenfone, even though that one is already uh, two years old now. But I could probably film better material than with my expensive Sony camera back then. Anyway, but it's it's still. I'm glad that I t- that I had a Sony camera because Sony is may not have had the best lenses, but it did have really good colors. So most of and China is a very colorful country. So a lot of the reds and everything looks brilliant on TV, and that I think saves the footage in many ways. And uh, the rest is just clever editing, trying to <laughs> to hide. You know, the horrible filming sometimes. I gosh, that that camera had a zoom rocker, and I was using it all the time. And I remember that back then, even my the, the professional cameraman that I worked with also used zoom quite a bit while they were filming me. So they would, for instance, I would do a like a presentation, and then while I was talking, they would slowly zoom in. It is that is completely unacceptable now. We would never do that. You do a hard cut from close up to medium and wide shot, but you you don't zoom in. It's just not done. But I was just imitating my teachers and so I ended up with a lot of ugly zooms. And of course on a small camera like that, the zoom is very sensitive, so a lot of the zooms were just not even just a bit glitchy and they don't look good so I have to cut around it sometimes I just leave it in I'm thinking oh wash you know it's a travel video so a little bit of that kind of raw feeling to it that adds a bit of dynamite 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 a little makes it more dynamic (laughs) so sometimes you just have to find storytelling reasons to use bad footage but it you know you can do it i could have never made episodes like this uh, a few years ago so the more i do this the more i realize how much i've learned and that is valuable that is absolutely something i can uh, i can use for future product uh, projects and something i uh, i'm i'm going to share with a larger audience than just people on tv which brings me to the next topic, and that is uh, my ongoing reflection on uh, my YouTube ministry. 
which is something I enjoy doing so much because the YouTube community is great. Um, maybe you're part of it. And if you've ever watched one of the live streams of the masses on Sunday, you know that it's a very um, warm, welcoming community. Uh, it's, it's incredible to see how much the engagement has grown since we've started doing these masses. Um, and it's, of course, not just a mass because you can get straight live stream masses everywhere. But it's, um, it's, it's a community. That is more important than the actual liturgy. Um, and uh, Inga was telling me the other day that she was... Uh, she, she's making, like, a, the yearly report to see how, uh, you know, how has the community evolved, how are we doing... And she said it's unbelievable how many uh, new patrons have joined the community. Um, it's unbelievable to see the level of engagement, so how much people are interacting. This is something that we've never had before. Podcasting has always been that respect a little bit of a blind, feels like blind, like driving blind. You know that, like, for instance, right now, I know that I'm talking to you. And I know that you are not the only person listening to this. When I say you, I'm addressing you. But I'm also talking to many other people that are listening, just like you, to what I'm saying right now. The thing is, I don't know. I don't know who is listening to this. I can't see, you know, I don't get notifications um, I can see the downloads, but that doesn't say anything. I download a lot of podcasts and I don't listen to all of them, at least not right away. So, and, and also in terms of feedback, sometimes people will leave a message on the website, but I think that 95% of you will hardly ever go to, uh, to my website. In case you want to take a look, fatherroderick.com. But I've never really put much faith in uh, just a website for, for getting the word out of what I do. So, but anyways, that's the only place where people sometimes leave feedback on a, on a podcast. And then it's just, I just hope that it's useful and that you enjoy it. And I don't get, I don't have proof of the, con- of the, of the contrary. Is that how you say it? So I just assume that it works, but it is very difficult to measure. Plus, uh, podcasts have a tendency to reach a certain ceiling, and then because discovery is so limited for audio, um, it doesn't really grow that much anymore. So unless I would start a huge campaign, uh, I don't think that the podcast audience is getting any bigger. So, and that is, of course, very different from YouTube, where you can see not just how many people have seen a video, but exactly what they watch, what is the moment that they scroll away. Uh, You can do like a a second-to-second analysis of each video, and that teaches you a lot about about what people want and what what they enjoy and what kind of leaves them cold. And it's that relationship and that's just statistical but it's incredibly valuable it helps me to uh it's a it's a form of listening to your audience which i think is fundamental for 
to establish a, a bond. Uh, it's like any relationship. It starts with listening. If you don't listen, that can't, the relationship is doomed. And then, of course, the second step is you listen and then you, you try to respond. You try to, to do what people uh, need or bring them what they need. Otherwise, why bother? Um, and that is uh, also an advantage of, uh, of the whole YouTube project is that I'm constantly motivated to do better and to improve. And the little rewards are that, you know, the algorithm uh, picks up. And you see that you get more views or uh, sometimes, and this is very rare, the video will get recommended. And it's, it's a game. It feels like a game. I did the, this morning, I did a little experiment. And it's one of, the, one of the things I'm grateful for now that I'm no longer um, tied to the parish is that the Sunday mornings are much more, they feel like Sunday mornings. They feel like a time where I can prepare my homily, I can pray, <clears throat> and I can get creative. And uh, I think with all the running back and forth between all these parish churches, we've lost something like that. And I don't think it's very good for the church and for the priests. I, I, the, the difference with the, my Sundays before and now is night and day. This is what a Sunday should be, I think, for, for anyone. A calm morning where, in my case, of course, the celebration of the Eucharist is the summit and the heart of the Sunday. But it's preceded by, a, by, by, <laughs> by space, by room. It, by, how do I say that? I don't experience Sundays as work anymore, and that is, that is completely new. It was always get up early, take a shower, run, 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 because all these parishes are very far apart. And then in the car, I, I, was, uh, I was trying to come up with something to say for the homily, and I'd just wing it, hope, hoping that that would work. Uh, but... It, I never really took much time to really think about the readings and what I was going to say. So what I do now, or what I did this morning, is uh, I woke up relatively early. And then I, uh, I read the Gospels and I started just kind of thinking. And then at the same time doing my chores and preparing breakfast. And then uh, I was thinking, you know what? Uh... I think I can, as, a, as, a, as an experiment, what if I would make a little short uh, summary of my homily? Not that I write down my homily, but I had some ideas, you know, this is how I could tell. And then I was like, well, what if I just make a very short version of that? Basically, two paragraphs. I read that, and then I illustrate it with Lego. And I keep it super simple, it's just... Uh, this this uh, priest, I have this Lego priest, which is kind of my Lego avatar, you could say. I'll have him standing there, and then when he talks about Jesus, I'll just uh, switch to to Lego Jesus, and then I will use um, the. Uh, I've got a, a quite a nice collection of minifigures, 
including lots of geeky minifigures like hobbits and dwarves and elves and uh, Avengers and whatnot, Harry Potter. And I'll just illustrate it like I do normally for the homily with a few lines about, uh, you know, about those stories. And I'll first record the mini homily like that and then uh, I'll just make it create a very simple, super simple set with Lego and a camera and I, I'll i film a few shots. I'm going to keep it super simple so no complicated stop, anima- stop motion or anything. Uh, let's first do this and then we can always improve later on but let's, let's keep it simple. So I constantly had to force myself keep it simple, keep it simple. I used my iPad, my old iPad as a backdrop. I just... Uh, Googled some photos of a city background, put that in the background, and it's quite blurry because I'm using a lens that is uh, um, is very it was wide open, so the Lego itself is in focus, and then the background gets blurry. And I the hardest thing was to light the scene because, of course, Lego minifigures are tiny, like the half of my finger in uh, height. And so what you would need to light that properly uh, would be a a lighting set that is just a small. But I don't have small lights. I only have the big ones that I use. So that was a bit of a a challenge. But I'm certainly going to uh, buy a few of those smaller LED units uh, just to be able to light. Maybe even some colored ones to add some more, more, I don't know, make, make... create nicer scenes I have got a few ideas now that I want to try out Um, but the first the most important thing was what matters is the content and and the concept and let's first work that out and then over time I'll uh, I'll hopefully get better and another uh, constraint that I gave myself was I need to be able to finish this in one hour otherwise it's going to be work and this is supposed to be almost a form of, of play while thinking about the homily. So that's what I did. I created a short story, nothing too fancy. And maybe I'll get better at telling these stories as well. But at least it was, I had the gist of my homily. And then actually filming the whole thing and editing it, it was a piece of cake. Really, really fast. I uploaded it to YouTube and... It took me way more time to create a thumbnail and to, like everything, when once you start like a new routine, you had a you have to kind of set a standard and come up with uh, how is this going to look. Once you've worked that out, just like with podcasting, afterwards it's hopefully going to be a routine. Like I know that when I sit down to record my weekly show, I've got my jingles. I know everything step by step is the same process and it's very nice to have that routine because there are no surprises and uh, within the confines of a format you can uh, you can be creative that's what I hope will happen if I can do this every uh, Sunday morning but so far so good I really enjoyed it and I, th- I also think this is this could this could work for a, again a different audience than my uh, regular YouTube channel. So what I'm trying to do is to build up a Lego channel in conjunction with the main channel. But of course, that is I'm starting with, I think, 350 subscribers. 
that is not much. It's not even enough to monetize it. Uh, certainly not enough for the uh, for the algorithm. So, if if you want to help me, by all means, uh, uh, go to YouTube and uh, search for Father Roderick builds, and that will bring you to that uh, channel and subscribe to it. Because I uh, I think I need to kind of work my way up to a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of of, of viewing, and then. Uh, then we can start doing more interesting things with that channel. But it is, I like to just start from nothing and build it up. For my regular YouTube channel, <clears throat> uh, last week I, sp- I was talking about, you know, perfectionism and feeling that it's never enough and always trying to kind of uh, out outmatch myself. I was, again, uh, thinking about simplifying. Let's keep it simple. What do you enjoy doing? That is very important. I need to love doing it. Otherwise, it's going to be more work. And it's it's not sustainable if it's not fun. And what does your audience react to? So I just asked. I put up a poll. And I said, like, okay, what do you want me to post next? And I gave four options. One, give, like, an in-depth commentary. I call it a deep dive of the of season two of the Mandalorian, so basically a retrospective. Now that we've seen the entire season, let's go back, rewatch those episodes, and then I'll comment. And of course, I'm not just going to talk about Easter eggs and all that stuff. Other YouTube channels do that way better than I do, but I can, I think I can talk more about themes and uh, structure. Uh, the second option was something I'm currently enjoying very much uh, doing uh, or watching WandaVision and comment on that so do uh, like a, a running commentary like I did for season one of The Mandalorian but then this time for WandaVision I have the idea that WandaVision is not that popular uh, even among Marvel fans a lot of people are like well I don't I don't know it's a weird and I can't and I have to say that for the, in the third episode I, I do really like it and I think I know where they're going, so I'm uh, I'm trying to be patient. But the third episode was kind of a bit long and a bit uh, a bit too. They were pushing it <laughs> in terms of weirdness. But you know, I'd certainly have some things to say, or I could just do a reaction video after each episode. It doesn't really have to be in-depth commentary, but it could just be you know my initial reaction. I always have something to to say about stuff that I watch third option was uh, something commentary on something else that I'm watching, and that is uh, uh, Star Wars Rebels. It is a, a, another animated series um, in the timeline of uh, the original trilogy, and it's very enjoyable. Sometimes a little bit long, just like the Clone Wars. There's these seasons of like 22 episodes, my goodness, and not all of them are very good. So uh, that's a bit of a chore, but, uh, you know... I could pick a few of my favorite episodes for each season and just comment on that on YouTube. And then the fourth one is something else. Let me know in the comments. Well, that was interesting after a day. Uh, I think about 500 people voted, which is quite good in terms of engagement. And about 70% said, please do retrospective analysis of The Mandalorian Season 2. Second best was Star Wars Rebels. 
and then WandaVision. Almost no suggestions. So that teaches me something important. For my followers, Star Wars is important. And uh, one of the reasons that I, that I was reluctant to do Star Wars was, well, I don't want to just do Star Wars. My interests are so much broader than just Star Wars. So I felt like I'm going to confine myself to Star Wars and then I can't do anything else anymore, which is, of course, r ridiculous <laughs> because you got to do what, you, what people like, to, like you to do. And there are other venues to talk about your other interests, like the, the podcast. I talk about so many different things in a podcast. That's why the format of an audio podcast suits me so well, because it's, you know, it's like a box of chocolates. Um... But I, I believe that if I focus on Star Wars, and it's not that I don't enjoy Star Wars, on the contrary, I think it's going to help me grow that channel. It's currently at 27,000. That's pretty good. I think it's, it's, it's growing again. Um, and if I'm, I'm going to be able to do this uh, uh, in a more consistent way, I think that could easily grow to 50,000 and I want to go to I don't know dare I say 100,000 at the end of the year it has to be possible um, but I need to, be, to focus more on it which of course means that it needs to get priority also in my calendar in my in my um, in my agenda and that is that is something that uh, journaling and uh Putting like I, I added a, a morning routine to the journaling. So I start with uh, one of two things. I do the five-minute morning journal, which uh, is basically answering questions like what, uh, what are you grateful for, um, what would make this day great, and stuff like that. So it's not really about a to-do list. It's more about, you know, becoming aware of, of the good in your life, the things that are positive, the things that make you happy. Uh, I, do, I tend to do that more during the weekends. And then during the week, I have my kind of, what is it? It's not really a productivity questionnaire, but it's uh, like, what are your three priorities? What are the tasks you want to get done today? And, um, and an affirmation, daily affirmation. I love that. And I did not know how much I'm always motivated to... Uh, motivate? I am... It's very easy for me to motivate myself every day. I always have a phrase that I, I want... There's always something I want to tell myself. So this morning I wrote down... Uh, so what's your daily affirmation for you? I said, this day is yours. And then I noticed that immediately there was something going on. There was an inner voice that said, you can't say that. That's egotistical. This day is the Lord's day and you should write down this, is, this day is for the Lord and a bit for me or something like that. I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. If I say this day is mine doesn't mean like it is so it's not for God. It's just claiming that it is not for work. But I'm having this inner conversation and I'm thinking, where does this voice, who is this voice? I've got an idea who this voice is. 
But it's it's definitely it's not my voice. And it's funny that journaling makes me more aware of this internal dialogue that's going on. So I wrote down, this day is yours. And it felt good. And after I had that inner, you know, <laughs> battle, like, come on, this day is mine. Yes, of course, it's the day of the Lord, etc. But that is, if I write it down like that, I'm projecting something that I know intellectually, but it's... I want to say something different. And I think that for me, Sunday is... What I love about Sundays now is that I'm no longer... I no longer feel like an employee or maybe worse, like a slave who is pushed from parish church to parish church. I was this on. I've been living that life for years where I felt that but this is not my true vocation. I, this is laudable, this is maybe important, but God has not called me to administer to a dying church in forms that are not no longer viable and not working. And it's so interesting. I was talking uh, after Mass uh, today with Inge and Henk. And Henk had counted to people and he said, I'm so amazed that we do this Mass in English in a small village where most of the older people don't speak any foreign language. And he said, I'm so amazed that every week we have more people attending church and half of them are not from here and we've never seen them in our churches. So he went and talked with some of the people that had come to Mass. They're all young. They're all student students or young uh, adults. Uh, some of them are from here and other people are from a bit farther away. But it's so interesting to see that all of a sudden with the... And, and, I mean, this is a very niche type of mass. It's in English. It's, sometimes we even do it in Latin and ad orientem and everything. And then uh, in my homily, it's very geeky. And it's like sometimes I'm like, can I say this? Yes, I'm going to say this. I'm going to talk about the Avengers and Nick Fury in the homily. Why not? <laughs> And it, it's almost as if these people were waiting for us to offer something different. And that kind of brought them in. Same thing is happening in the online community. Uh, it's a small community that is watching. But over several days, it's growing to about 500 people that watch that mass. That's, imagine 500 people in a church. I mean, that's a cathedral full of people. That's not to be dismissed. And it is also, quality-wise, I think, a very good... Uh, things are happening there with people. And it's, it's uh, highly appreciated. We get a lot of engagement. So, um, and it, it feels like, for the first time, this is, I'm doing what I'm meant to do. And I have no regrets. It sounds maybe harsh, but I have no regrets of stepping away from the parish work. And it's now that I've stepped away from it that I feel like this is balanced. This is this this is how um, I'm. My work as, as a priest is going to bear fruit. And this running around, just just trying to keep all these churches open, and but basically doing the same 
over and over again and we know for years that it doesn't work it doesn't it doesn't reach people it doesn't change people it doesn't attract new people it's dead why waste the energy that we have and the time that God has given us to go on with something that he does not let bear fruit it's like that tree the the fig tree you know like year after year it doesn't give any fruit and then you know let's just cut it down and there's this one farmer who says well let me just give it one year I'm just gonna do everything I can put all my energy and love and, and care for this tree and if it doesn't bear any fruit then then you can cut it you can you can you can cut it you can we'll destroy it which means you know in the story and this is a parable by Jesus it, it I think it's very clear that it's a the the effort that I think priests and bishops are now giving to this dying church that bears no fruit or almost no fruit is like a last ditched effort but there's also a point where you have to say we've given it all and it still doesn't work it's over we're going to put our effort we're going to we're going to move to more fertile grounds and we're going to start again and we're going to maybe take a different approach but this isn't working i feel like sometimes we're watering plants that have died five years ago and uh, <laughs> and we tell ourselves and i was telling myself time and again but this is this is my vocation you know people some people sow and other people will harvest and uh, this is my duty and blah 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 yeah that's one way to look at it another way to look at it is like uh, we've been wasting our talent and our time on something that if if god <laughs> thought that this was the the right way to to manage the church it, <laughs> there would be fruits there is nothing that's not normal that's not healthy so listen to god maybe he's telling you something by that okay <laughs> enough wow i didn't i didn't think that this would come up at the end of this uh, this walk but uh, it, it i i feel liberated in a certain way I feel like this is this is what i'm supposed to do this is uh, this makes me happy it gives me energy and after a week of being sick and miserable and working so hard for something that I don't actually believe in anymore. I mean, well, you know what I think about my TV work. But it's time for something new. And with the parish, it was the same situation. And now that I've stepped away from it, and there may still be consequences that I can't oversee, but so far I think it was absolutely the right decision. And it's already doing a lot of good for, for me personally, I, I, I feel much more at peace with the, with the week, the way I, I, I distribute my time and energy, and also kind of the return of that investment. I, I can see it, and, uh, and that's encouraging. So I'm just, uh, I'll, I'll just keep trusting that the rest will also settle itself. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God. And all the rest will be given uh, after that. Something like that. That's what I hope. 
All right. Thank you so much for uh, spending this walk with me. I wish you a wonderful uh, day. Stay healthy if uh, you are in trouble or you were worried. Know that you are in my prayers. And for those of you that are supporting me uh, on Patreon, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Talk to you guys later. God bless.